When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Ram Nation. Welcome into another edition at DNVR Rams Live, presented by High Plains Strains, Northeastern Dispensary, providing top quality cannabis. Be sure to check them out to take advantage of their deals. Make sure you mention DNVR when you do. Uh, we tried to go live a couple minutes ago, had some technical difficulties. Hope everything is working smoother now. Hope you guys are able to hear us. Uh, we're going to be talking about a win that was ultimately a win and an ugly win counts the same, but probably far too uh, close for comfort for most of you for CSU men's basketball. We'll get into the power rankings. Before that, though, I wanted to kind of get into the latest transfer news for CSU football. Uh, the Rams picked up a veteran P5 wide receiver transfer and Donovan Ali, a guy that had a big game against CSU the other year uh, when CSU played Washington State in 2022. Uh, excited to have Dre on. Hell yeah, man. How you doing, man? How's life treating you? Doing great. It's uh, busy, busy, exciting, always uh, never a dull moment, you know? And uh, yeah, only thing more exciting and uh, entertaining than this last week of college hoops. So many upsets, so many crazy games, and Mount West as well. Boy, the pit, huh? It's going to be a lion's den, man. When they get rocking, oh. UNM with back-to-back drink wins, it'll be interesting to... Kind of get into that and where I have oh. them in my power rankings this week. There was a lot of movements. Uh, I mean, that's the the thing about this league is it's going to be brutal to win on the road. Even if you're a ranked team, even if you're going into a team that's quote unquote, you know, not a contender, there's really no easy wins. You talked uh, about it with coach last week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a process. Um, there's going to be moments where you have to win ugly. And I think CSU mm-hmm. did that on Tuesday. Again, far too close for comfort, but we'll get into more takeaways from that down the line. I want to start here, like Dre said, with the the chaoticness that is the transfer portal. But uh, it's giving pretty well for the Rams right now. I mean, they lost a couple of key guys. Obviously, we've talked about all that. Grady Kelly's Florida State bound, Lewis Brown heading to uh, San Diego State. Here's something we haven't talked about yet. Clay Millen. SEC bound committed to Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. Uh, before we kind of get into these additions, I want to get your thoughts on that because one of the things that Crazy, I said on the right? pod is, and I hope this is not the case. I wonder if this is an instance of SEC recruiting politics. Um, he's a for- former four-star guy. Yeah. And I just worry that it's a situation where you bring him in, you stash him as your backup you add a four star to your recruiting profile and basically like he just kind of goes there and we never hear from him again. Could be man. Could be, but, uh, how this transfer portal works out. It's, uh, it really shows you while while we get into so much of the P five and G five and the haves and the have nots and did the four playoff system create it to where only like five teams in the entire country can even compete for a national championship and all these narratives we've talked about. And then these actual programs, they're kind of like, no, I mean, they're showing you that the G five P five, like the difference in level is not that big. Um, and you're willing to believe in guys having second chances. Boy, it was weird studying Donovan Ollie. And having some flashbacks, A, of that watch-along we did in that Washington State game. <laughs> that was rough. Like, God, that sucked. Um, that was not a fun game. It wasn't a fun game because Clay, That I think that was the first instance where I was like, ugh. He held onto the ball this... a lot. And I mean, that's one of the things. Like, he has all the arm My talent luck. in the world. He throws a really pretty football. He had a great completion percentage. He did a good job of not, mm-hmm. you know, turning the ball over. But it's also one of those things where... Sometimes if you're not like BFN obviously needs to cut the interceptions down. Yeah. But some of yeah. the interceptions that he threw are not bad decisions. It's giving a guy an opportunity. And if mm-hmm. you don't ever turn the ball over, that's almost just as like of a negative as a guy that turns it over too much because you're not taking any chances. You're not moving the ball downfield. 
And I think ultimately that's kind of why they made the decision as quickly as they did. Yeah. Like there were some worries going into the year. I had mentioned just all those hits that he took. And, you know, you know, you wonder if is he going to be able to sit back there and trust a clean po- pocket and work through your reads. Didn't work out. You know, you wish him well in Gainesville, but I don't know, man, just based on what I've seen and maybe, you know, going to the bench is what he needed. You know, you're able to kind of shift your focus. You come back out, you know, you find your confidence again. Cause yeah, when he did have confidence early on in that non-conference slate, like he had his moments where he would rip it downfield problem is we never really saw that again after like the middle tennessee state game he'll have to get in rhythm i mean the of all the positions the transfer portal has really made the quarterback position just a game of uh, musical chairs you know i mean it's just the turnovers endless but yeah that's uh i found that pretty interesting as well i think schematically that billy napier offense could fit him well and i mean with Clay, we were seeing it last offseason. It's all about those bad habits that kind of started to creep in and starting to see ghosts and all that. Can a different setting get that out of him? We'll see, you know? I hope so. I mean, you know, he's he's a good guy. I don't want to get too repetitive. I already kind of did a whole monologue on this on the pod the other day, but I just, you know, the human element, you feel for him. You know, he was supposed to be the guy. He comes over basically loses his job two and a half quarters into the season, never sees the field again. I mean, it's it's a harsh business, but it's also a situation like if you're CSU, I, I don't think they made the wrong decision. And you were able to get BFN a lot of valuable reps early on in the season. Unfortunately, obviously, you didn't meet your goals of you know reaching the postseason. And there's some things where he's going to have to clean up. That's a whole different discussion. But uh, what's encouraging... Rams have been able to add some talent via the portal, give him some targets, starting with Donovan Ollie. Uh, six foot three wide receiver, nice build, uh, a guy that Big basically kid. had his best game of his career against CSU when we're doing that watch along. Seven catches for 82 yards and two touchdowns in that 2022 38 7 win for the Cougars and Pullman. I scored on a wheel route to begin the game, also scored on a, a slant where he just I mean, the, the corners were rough in that game. It was it was not a great day for CSU secondary. Wide open he twice. was running open a lot. You know, what, when studying Ollie, I thought what was more interesting was the next game against Oregon. If nothing else, to be reminded that, oh, right, like going coming out of the non-conference, everyone's excited about Cam Ward and this Wazoo offense. And it's Cam Ward and Donovan Ollie. Like, those are kind of the buzzy names. You know, we do this in college football. It's very similar to <laughs> European soccer where, like, a couple stretches and you become, you're not a star, but you're, like, the breakout star, yeah, yeah. right? So you've already, you already have, like, star status, even though you've merely earned potentially being a star. And Donovan Ollie had entered that area, has another 80 reception um, 80 yard receiving game in that game against Oregon. Again, like if I wasn't traumatized enough by having to rewatch CSU against Washington State, having to rewatch my bet on Wazoo that was a winner until the last minute of the fourth quarter was just as bad. So, Donovan, mixed feelings rewatching his Wazoo games, but you forget this kid kind of had a moment. Not last season, the season prior in this stretch. He's got the size. He's got kind of the long speed. He obviously has the contested ball uh, chops. And I thought he's really good at like cutting off and using his body, you know, on inside routes, those kind of curls, right? Just being physical, boxing guys out and getting in front of them. A bit more of a slow mover, like a diesel engine going to take a sec to build up. So those quick cuts aren't going to be as uh, successful, you know, or like it's it's going to take him a sec, right? That's what cracks me up about the slant he scored on because it's, you know, a fake outside and then go in. And it's like, if you're the DB, like, why'd you bite on? And yeah. I like Ollie a lot. He's really good. And I think he's going to be a guy you can stretch the field with. We talked about this before. I think he's a guy you can put in the seam. And attack vertically that way, especially now that you don't have Dallin Holker. That you, big seam target, yeah. right? Yes, it's the it's much more of a Holker replacement. And you were saying you were making the Cole Turner comp for me, yeah. which is fantastic. Like that's way more spot on than Holker. But it's like when you go four wide, he's your big slot, right? Mm-hmm. And he can operate on that seam, or you can go offset. He can be isoed on one side. He's got that size matchup. 
He's going to be more of a factor in the red zone. It's not an LB4 replacement, but it is an interested added weapon. And this gives you a wide receiver room that's big, man. You got a lot of size. You've got a lot of speed. And you got a lot of versatility. I mean, obviously, Torrey Horton is going to be your guy. Yeah, that's the strongest stirs the drink. you bring Justice Ross Simmons back, a guy who's proven to be a, a vertical threat down the field. You're hoping, I think, you can get him more involved in the you know, intermediate game this next year, especially with LB not in the picture. But you've also got Dylan Goffney, the SMU transfer, who you can mix in. You've got some younger guys that you're hoping are going to be in the mix. These these freshman receivers are really intriguing to me. So, you know, maybe a guy like Jordan Ross gets on the field early. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting, but I think they did a really nice job of going out and finding a, I mean, one, a proven veteran, you know, you're, you're finding a guy who we've seen firsthand can make plays at this level, can be impactful, but two, I think you're making the the best of a difficult situation. It's unfortunate that you lose Lewis Brown to to San Diego State. It's unfortunate that you know you lose Dallin Holker. But I mean, by bringing in him, I feel like you're kind of able to create largely the the impact you were getting out of those two, kind of like via the aggregate, going the money ball approach. Yeah, you're adding depth to the wide receiver room and some diversity in your options in the receiving game with kind of that bigger target up the middle. And I mean, I think you've seen a really nice, like linear path to this transfer portal and how they've added talent, right? Like, um, step one was retaining the talent you had, the veterans you had, like we just talked about Clay Millen, Clay Millen's getting signed from Florida. What kind of offers do you think BFM was getting? Yeah. I mean, I've heard that Texas tech and TCU were, very, very much, you know, kind of snooping around, throwing the the cash money. It's a legend that he got six hundred. Yeah. Like, yeah. so they took care of business there first. Well, that's important though. That's and that's like a factor in your class that you have to consider. Like retaining course, talent is man. arguably more important than the talent oh, you bring in. It's especially old, when they're proven. Is it what was it? Sark when Jake Locker stayed? And he said, you know, Jake Locker staying and not declaring for the draft, that's like a 10-star for us, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, that's more important than anything. Retaining your guys is much more than signing whatever, you know, who's... um, So that was step one. You take your losses when you needed them, right? And now you've added... You're you're able to kind of fill in on... It's not the the front-line transfer guys... You're finding your opportunities. What we haven't mentioned with Ollie is last season, he went to Cincinnati and wasn't able to get much playing time. Um, And then you've added really nicely to the corners and O-line so you can refill, replenish. And maybe at the DB room, we talked about it with Elias Larry. I said that right? Yeah. Maybe you're even upgrading with the kind of vets you have. And we were even talking about more of a schematic identity with some of the guys you've added. Let's get into that because I'm with you, you know. And again, I do think Ollie is a guy that's going to be a pretty, uh, you know, decent contributor for this offense. Right. I think especially in the red zone, he has a potential to be a game changer. A guy like Cole Turner was for Nevada. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, isolate him on one side, you know, throw him the fade. You know, he's going to have opportunities to... Do some stuff over the top, you know, when you're getting caught focusing on, you know, Torrey Horton underneath and all that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they mix it up. And at Wazoo, he's used in a lot of shorter routes. Like, That's the he's thing. Got like, it's not tracks. all just deep down the field. Like, Oh, not at all. And one of the things I liked about him, he kind of mm-hmm. demonstrated uh, a nice understanding of, you know, Cam Ward obviously runs around a lot. Like, there were a couple of times where Cam's scrambling. Ollie understands it, just keeps running, like breaks mm-hmm. off his route, but finds yep. some space, sits there, boom, easy 15 yards. Like you just love the high IQ that you see in that situation. Uh, I'm not sure what happened at Cincinnati. I tried to find uh, articles that kind of broke down like why he wasn't in the mix. Like he was highly touted as a guy that they brought in that was supposed to be like one of their top two receivers. You never know. I mean, yeah, that's y- you never know what you, happened. Man. Yep, that's right. But I think, you know, coming here, you have an opportunity to get a change of scenery. You know, you can be in a situation where you don't have to be the guy. You know, Tori is obviously the the receiver. Um, We had a question from Jacob here. Do you think it's a possibility that Sam Hart transfers to CSU? It's an Ohio State transfer tight end. Uh, He's a Colorado kid, so you never know. Uh, Graduate transfer with two years left. I think he was a four-star recruit coming out a couple years ago. Um, you hope. I mean, that's the thing about 
CSU really in every sport these days is like you are going to hit here and there. You're going to get the Dallin Holkers of the world. But like the reality is, is you aren't going to be a program that's like living and dying by the portal. Like these guys that you're bringing in, I think a couple of these guys can be starters, if not, you know, just depth for the two deep. But really like you're going to build it at the high school level. And then you're going to kind of try and benefit from the relationships that you establish early on in the recruiting game. Maybe some of these Colorado kids go to USC, they go to Ohio State, they go to Nebraska out of high school. It doesn't work out. You hope that they remember a couple of years from now, you know, hey, like I wanted to go on this bigger opportunity, but like Norvell was a good guy. I liked my visit in Fort Collins. Mm-hmm. I, I liked CSU. Obviously, if you're winning, that helps the cause, but... We'll have to see. I mean, you want to be in on all of these P5 transfers that are Colorado kids is essentially the the long-winded point that I'm making here. Yeah, you've been good at covering how that's been a focus for uh, Norvell in a lot of ways, you know, just staying local and, and trying to prioritize that. Look at hoops. Like, Nick Clifford is a guy that Nico was in. It came down to CU, Wyoming, and, and CSU. Obviously, he ends up to CU initially comes full circle three years later. Yeah, I mean, like great those rela- those relationships matter a lot. Um, I don't have any info as far as him specifically in terms of like whether he's in the mix. You would think that the Rams would be interested in, you know, any tight ends they could be uh, in the mix for. But also, again, kind of what we're saying here, by bringing in a guy like Donovan Ollie, a six foot three, you know, 215 plus pound wide receiver, like you, you can really get what you need out of the tight end in this offense from a guy like Ollie, because it's, it's not a hand in the ground offense where the yeah. quarterback's under center and you yeah. need him to block. Like it's, it's about catching the football. Yeah. That's where Sam Hart is going to be an interesting fit. I was just seeing on his recruiting profile. That's a kid who went to committed to Tennessee first and then flipped to Ohio state. So does he want to be the Ohio state type tight end or is he fit finding, well, maybe this wasn't a fit. I want to be in more of a wide open offense where I can be more of a receiving threat. And then that's where Jay Norvell's offense would be more appealing. So we'll keep an eye on him. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on, a defensive end out of Castleview, Jordan Ochoa, a former Wyoming commit, recently had a, a visit with CSU. I also saw yesterday, unfortunately, I mean, good for him, but unfortunately for us that Nebraska is in on him. He had a Visit there at Six Zero Academy, and Matt Rule was there with him. So we'll see. In, in my opinion, the best defensive end coming out of Colorado in this 2024 cycle looks like it's going to be CSU or Nebraska. He's a guy that grew up rooting for CU. They're not in on him. Again, these are the kids you got to get, the in-state kids that have potential to go elsewhere, that CU's turning their nose up because they're more focused on, on the portal. It's just a difference in recruiting philosophy. I'm not trying to start anything. But those are the guys you got to get. So we'll keep an eye on him. Um, Anything you want to say before we talk about these other transfers? We've been kind of all over the no, place. No, I'd go. But... I'd get into uh, SEC mail. Thanks for it. letting me say it first. <laughs> I uh, I guess I technically broke last night, although I'm not really trying to take credit because this was a scoop that a lot of CSU fans knew about. Um, Kevin Lytle had talked about it on a podcast multiple times. So, like we all kind of knew this was going to happen, but. Uh, Isaiah Asissima comes over from Nevada. He was a starting corner there for the the last two years, Um, led all their corners or led all their DBs, I should say, in PBUs in 2022, Uh, has three interceptions in his career. He plays the ball aggressively, um, started his career at Wake Forest, played in 16 games there before he went over to Nevada, played in 26 more games, ultimately decided to leave the team this past season after starting the first three because he wanted to maintain that final season of eligibility. He's now reunited with Jay Norvell at CSU. Uh, this is a big addition for CSU. I mean, we, we, we'll we talk about Elias Larry, too. I think both of these guys kind of fit that same mold of, yeah. you know, athletic, physical corner that's going to attack the ball aggressively, might give up some big plays every now and then, might get called for some PIs, yeah. uh, but are, are really going to attack the ball. And I, I like that, especially with guys like this that are, you know, really twitchy and, and can kind of jump through the roof. Yeah, that's what stands out. The competitiveness um, plays way bigger than the 5'10", 177. He's he looks bigger than that on the so field. much bigger. Yeah. Um, he kind of looks yoked up, you know. Um, and yeah, just a physical guy who made a lot of plays on the ball. I mean, even got 
some some plays in the receiving game, you know. So I mean, a- an athlete, you don't use a guy like that unless you're you're trying to kind of he's an athlete and you're prioritized trying to get him the ball. Uh, so yeah, he stands out to me. Maybe a little more flashy, maybe a little more giveth taketh than Larry, who's a bit more physical, has that navy background, a bit actually bigger, you know, also a guy that plays bigger than his size. And I mean, two veteran corners who are gonna be able to fill in and I mean are expecting to compete for starting jobs day one. Yeah, I mean, you're really thin at corner. That's the reality. You lose Chiggy to the draft, uh, Ron Harge declares for the draft, although I don't know if he's an NFL prospect the same way that Chiggy is. I mean, you lose TJ Crandall to West Virginia. So you were going to be really young yep. at corner. They needed to go out and, and get some experience and to be able to get guys that were two-year starters in the G5, you know, not guys that are transferring because they couldn't sniff the field and, you know, they're all, mm-hmm. oh, you know, this coach just doesn't get me. I'm going to go somewhere else. These were proven guys, guys that you did not want to lose if you were, you know, Nevada, if you were Navy. So it's it's encouraging. I think both of these guys do uh, at least compete for starting roles day one. Um, I mean, you know, Sisma has already proven he can play in this league. Yeah. And it seems like you're maybe even a little bit higher on Larry, just kind of based what you've seen on film. Yeah, I think he's pretty steady Eddie, man. I just really like his profile. I like a guy who can tackle and come up and has that physicality to go after the ball, shows some good traits and being able to cover deep, you know? So I, I think Larry... Uh, checks off a lot of boxes and Asisima, his upside, his talent, his high-end flashes get you excited as well. I'm with you. I'm interested to see what happens there. Um, Shout out to Isaiah Asisima, by the way, for getting back to me last night. Again, we had all kind of heard about this, but I've talked about this before. I try to give players the opportunity to announce their life-changing news on their own terms However, especially with some veteran transfers when you're not 18 and seeking validation via social media, mm-hmm. you know, some of these guys aren't going to post about it. So I, I knew as official, I had confirmed it from CSU football, uh, but I reached out to him and was just like, hey, like, I don't know if you have any in- intent to post something. I don't want to step on your toes or like ruin your moment, but is it cool, you know, if I put you in this article, you know, talk about you on the pod? And he was really great, got back to me, gracious guy. I'm looking forward to covering him. Um, because shouldn't be surprised. I mean, you're, you're you got to be a smart dude to get into Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, and he's a he's a vet guy. Six year, yeah, six year player. Another thing I like though, you got a guy coming from the Naval Academy, and a six year veteran that started his career at Wake Forest and has started for multiple schools. Like, yeah, it's not bad. Those those are some nice little mm-hmm. like if we were trying to build parcels. This like, what do I want out of a corner? I want a guy who's experienced. I want a guy who's composed, and I think. You know, in both instances, not trying to get like, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know these guys that well yet, but you know what I'm saying. It's encouraging. Yeah. And I mean, you're just talking about with uh, heart and the the potential of like using those connections. This is another connection. You know, it's a kid that this staff has been able to coach before and had that connection that way. And I mean, gosh, they must have been in on him from for the beginning. Minute. Yeah. Like, he, he hasn't been playing since, what, early October? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably very realistic that as soon as, you know, it was an out, like, he leaves the team with the intent to to transfer after, yeah. you know, the first couple of games. You know, I'm sure they were like, well. Yeah, a guy who's probably been in the plans for a while. Exactly. A uh, couple other transfers we'll throw out. I need a chance to watch these guys more before I get into them. Uh, coming up from smaller levels, but... Alex Foster, offensive tackle coming over from Utah Tech, played in 22 games, started 11 at left tackle this past season. It's a Utah Tech offense that moved the ball on CSU a little bit. I don't feel like the the pass rush was like dominant that game. So that's something I'll be interested to go back and watch is how did he kind of handle those reps versus Mm -hmm. Mo and stuff. You know, if you're looking for a a way to evaluate yourself, going against Mo is, is pretty great. Uh, and then also Chandler Brown coming over from Shepard, six foot five, three hundred and five pounds. Started twenty seven straight games at left tackle, uh, all conference honors at the D two level. But CSU, I mean, they've had some success with this. Three of their starters and from the last year were either FCS or former D two guys, especially in the offensive line. Where like if you know if you're six foot eight, three twenty, and can move, you're going to end up in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Like this is where if you're CSU, you can benefit from. 
going down and finding guys who are more physically developed, I think that's the most challenging part about trying it to is. forecast, it especially is. at the G5 level with mm-hmm. some of these guys. It's like, yeah, like he's a pretty good athlete, but you're trying to forecast like, well, what's he going to be like when he puts on two inches and 75 pounds? Well, it's going to take three years of development before you're really like anywhere close mm-hmm. to starting to see the uh, finished product. So I do think developing the trenches remains... You know, if you're not going to go all in on the transfer portal and make that a huge thing, like you're still going to need some depth and need some younger guys to develop. You can't just always go at the FCS level or go grab other G5 guys. You no, know, like, yeah, the foundation of this roster is still going to have to be built from the high school level. It's, it's just a key tool to plug those needs in the immediate in the immediate form. And they did a great job of it last year. Well, and the hope is, I think, kind of this is the last year where you should be having to do this consistently. Like, that's always going to be a factor. But, you know, you've now been able to bring in a couple of classes. They like some of these O-linemen. Actually, some of the O-linemen they're signing in this 2024 cycle, I'm very intrigued by. But, you know, it's going to be a couple of years till those guys get on the field. You're hoping, you know, in 2025, these guys you signed last year are kind of able to start and and work their way in the mix. But Exactly. It's a process. So the fact that you're able to go out again, get guys that, although at a lower level, started, you know, 25 plus straight games, that's significant, especially at left tackle. 100%. And I mean, Chandler Brown's size speaks for itself, you know. So if we get our hands on some Shepard film, we'll we'll let you know. Be honest. I know I'm a guy that watches a lot of football, even lower levels. Not sure I've ever heard of Shepard University. It's a new one for me, for sure. Yeah. Learning things, man. Always. That's how I learned geography growing up was through sports. Absolutely. Yeah, big time. (laughs) Let's uh, let's shout out the homies over at Circle K before we get into some hoops talk here. A win is a win, folks, but I know that it was a frustrating one. We'll get into all of that. Uh, The thing that's great about Circle K, aside from the fact that they're freaking everywhere, it's so convenient. You can download their app. The membership is free. And then immediately you're just getting rewarded. 25 cents off your first uh, five gallons. You're going to be able to get... Yep. Uh, rewards for, you know, got, getting slushies and coffee and all that fun stuff that it's we know we shouldn't have, but we need. 25 cents off your first five fill-ups once you download the app. Well, that's even better. Not five gallons, yeah. five fill-ups. Yeah, I, uh, my car was thirsty last week, <laughs> so that came in super handy. The app has all sorts of deals. We've got this snack cart here in the background. Chocolate peanuts. Uh, it's like I live in a Circle K now. Sea salt roasted peanuts calling my name. You got some cheese and caramel popcorn here. We've got an elite snack section Gummy going arms on. down there. Ooh. Shout out to Circle K. Sign up with the QR code on the screen or visit www.circlek.com slash inner circle for more information. Of course, I got to talk to you guys about High Plains Strains. If you yes, listen sir. to the pod, you know the deal. They are the premier dispensary in Northeastern Colorado. And they're going to hook you up no matter what you need. And I'm talking top, uh, top shelf flour. If you need concentrates, uh, edibles, they've got you covered. There's three convenient locations in Northeastern Colorado. One in Log Lane Village, one in Garden City, one in Sedgwick. If you are out there, they are the dispo for you. Order online. Make sure you use that code DNVR. Uh, you can pick up with a drive-through. I mean, how perfect would that have been on a weekend like this deep freeze? Ideal. It was the prep move of all prep moves. In fact, go get yourself some pre rolls, whatever you're into. Use the code DNVR online or mention it in stores. Uh, you can get a full ounce for eighty, Veritas eighths for twenty-five, Mammoth one gram cartridges for fifteen, Exquisite extracts four for forty. Again, remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these high plane strains deals. <laughs> All right, Joey B wants yep. to know yep. if CSU football wins the Mountain West in 2024, will Andre pour a Circle K slushy over his head? I think yeah. we'll both do it. Yeah, we could both do it. I mean, honestly, I think it would be more appropriate of me to pour one on your head. You know, like the players pouring the Gatorade bucket on the coach. I mean, this I thought is... you were going to say it's because I'm such a, like a dweeb and that just feels, you know, like, take a slushy nerd. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny that that was your read. Also, I was going to say maybe at Circle K they call them Polar Pops. They but do. It's a Polar Ice, I believe. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Polar Pop is a pop. A Polar Ice is an ice. So we could do a Polar Ice 
simultaneous, you know, simultaneous head pour. I think they can do it. I mean, there's very few things I wouldn't do for CSU to win the Mountain West at this point. We know Coach on the road loves to stop and make snack runs. Maybe we can coordinate a final snack run celebration. What's their final conference game, road or home? A road. It's at Air Force. God, it would actually be hilarious if I started doing that. Just like all, I drive myself to Circle K for road games and pick out snacks to celebrate the game. I might do it at some point. I don't know if I'll do it every game. Also, if their final road game is in the Springs, you could hit the Circle K on the way home. Easy, like we could coordinate, do a like, sir. Okay, come on, we're doing. Joey, you are a genius. We are stealing your idea, making it greater. Okay, so I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, he says, "Well, I chug a Circle K Polar Pop oh, man. through the the brain freeze process." I'd rather pour That's it. Mean. Honestly. I'd rather pour it on myself yeah. than chug it. I mean, I'd rather pour. I'm just a man, guys. I'm just a man. Yeah, <laughs> so true. All right, let's move the talk over to hoops. Um, I know this Oof. has been kind of a random episode, but I think it's been fun. I appreciate everybody in the comment section. <laughs> you guys are engaged. Um, CSU wins in overtime, 78-69 to 69 against Air Force. This was a game they trailed for 34 minutes and 8 seconds. They were down 4 with 30 seconds left. I'll be honest, I had accepted defeat. I was already trying to process how am I going to Talk about this Q4 loss. Where does this team go from here? Very realistically takes them out of the Mountain West title hope uh, or race unless they're able to do something crazy. Power rankings. Uh, they would have dropped to six, probably Just or seventh. Tear them up and burn them. I mean, it really it would have been we a, might have retired them this week. Yeah, maybe we just wouldn't have done it because I just would have been too hard. <laughs> number one lost to number eleven. Would have been disaster. Well, here's I mean, it, it would have been, but it wasn't. And that's the thing. Like at the end of the day, in a 30 game college basketball season, you've got to be able to grind it out. And the offense, there are some trends of late that are concerning. Now, I think some of that has to do with the fact that you're playing quality defenses and you're playing defenses that are more familiar with what you do. I mean, there aren't very many new coaches in the league this year. I mean, outside of Danny Sprinkle and Utah State, and what they're doing is is phenomenal. D Sprink. But I mean, like these coaches are, are very familiar with each other. And frankly, Air Force has been a team that's been relatively competitive against CSU under the Medved era. It's usually an instance where the Rams pull away, but they're always kind of a thorn in our side. They beat us in Fort Collins a year ago in overtime. So you have those teams sometimes. And you have those nights sometimes where you don't have it and your opponent does. I mean, you look at what Bo Becker and uh, Ethan Isaiah Taylor. Stevens game all season. Yes, he has and nine no. assists. Like, that's where well, I mean, he had nine assists and no turnovers. It's the Isaiah standard, right? Like, well, that's the thing is what we expect standard. of him. Yeah. Yes. But the okay, most off shooting night he's yeah, had. He's four of twelve from the floor. Um, but the rest of the backcourt steps up big time, man. And that's the thing. Like Joe had a good game. Neek was amazing. And I mean, uh, Lake right has some big shots there in OT. Yeah, I think that was huge. You got. That was a real big problem for CSU in those losses to Boise State and Utah State is outside of Patrick Cartier, outside of Neek, and outside of Isaiah, you basically got nothing out of the bench and you got nothing out of your other starters. And Joel Scott, you know, you're you're hoping that he's able to kind of find that confidence again. It was great to see him aggressive and attacking, gets to the line for 10 free throws, hits eight of them even better. You know, he's only like a low 60s shooter on the season, so that was huge. Yeah, Bemba's uh, minutes dwindling a bit. Bemba's having a rough stretch. He looks like a freshman trying to find his footing in conference play where all of a sudden the physicality gets more intense. All of a sudden the games get more intense for 40 minutes. And again, the familiarity is a big factor on yes, both ends of the yes, floor. Yes, like there's going to be less yes. freedom of movement because they're going to clog up those lanes where they know you're trying to cut. They know what we're trying to accomplish and you, you've got to adjust. And I think that was the big thing for CSU in this win. Like, if you want to go negative and be like, yeah, they were lucky, maybe so, but they did everything right over the final 40 seconds to steal that win and then dominated the overtime period. So when it, you know, it was there for the taking, they did it. They adjusted, though. Offensively, Air Force, they threw some matchup zones at them. You know, CSU, it, they took away some of those driving lanes. There were moments where the ball movement was not as crisp. It got kind of stagnant. And, and they continue to struggle 
to knock down open jump shots. So like yeah. when you're not able to work the ball inside and you're also not hitting the open jump shots, it's going to feel really, really rough. And it they've, was early, but they adjusted. They've not had a good shooting stretch. And when teams yeah. go zone on them, it, you feel They're it. daring them to shoot. You feel it. You feel and they're going to need that. Like Josiah hits a big three in overtime to immediately just, and all of a sudden now, you know, Air Force kind of on their heels and then they immediately attack again and get two easy layups. Like they've got to be able to knock down those shots. They need some of these wings. You know, they need Jalen Lake, Josiah Strong to hit an open three when That's it's why I there. It was big, man. Yeah, it was big. I mean, you can definitely, you know, there's there's the positives and the negatives. And the other thing is like the <laughs> The other top two teams in the conference went down as well, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's gonna be a gauntlet, man. I mean, you, yep. you look at what happened with San Diego State; they go into a the pit and just, I mean, really get their ass kicked down the stretch. Like, it's correct. New Mexico's got back to back drink wins. They take down Utah State at home. The pit is just. Yeah, and then Good UNLV God. had the big upset, right? Yeah, UNLV beats New Mexico. Or yeah, they beat New Mexico at the beginning. Now they come back. They beat Boise State. Yeah. I mean, Utah State should have lost to UNLV, too. Yeah. There was a controversial play. Uh, UNLV's up four. They end up giving up a five-point play on a very ticky-tacky foul call at the end, which it sucks that a game came down to it. But that's the thing about UNLV, man. Like, you see the potential. They are a team that can go on the road and beat Boise State. They're also a team that's talented enough to be in position to beat Boise State. They're also a team that's inconsistent and uncomposed enough to find a way to lose a game where they were the better team for 40 minutes. So it's... Well, look, when the games get this tight, teams know each other well, it becomes such a, like, half-court game. Home court matters so much. And the margins just become super slim, especially when your star player might be having a, an off-shooting night. Well, I'm glad you brought up margins. Because, yes, offensively, it was ugly. Yes, it was a struggle. Yeah. But you adjust in the second half. I think it was 11 more free throw attempts in the second half than what they attempted in the first. They finish, they get 14, I think, of their points in the paint come in the second half. That's huge. Yeah. On top of that, you get a big night from Joel Palmer. He provides a spark off the bench. You know, he hits a couple of threes. Loud pulls 11 down points. rebounds. Loud 11. <laughs> All 11 made the highlight. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> loud 11 points. It's why he's a bit of a cult here. And that's what you need because, I mean, weirdly, this was a night where Patrick Cartier wasn't a factor at all. Three points. He only played 18 minutes. Oh. I think we some of it had to do though. with... Yeah, I think some of it had to do with Scott kind of down the stretch was mm -hmm. really being aggressive yeah, in establishing. Ride. ride the hot hand. Air Force is a five-guard lineup. Yep. They, they make it tough on you, you know, to, to go with those bigger lineups at times. But I also think, you know, in that game in the Springs, I would like to see CSU kind of find a way to accomplish what they did in that second half from the get-go. You know, you want to work the paint. And then if you're able to do that, if you're able to get to the line... It's going to open up things on the outside. You need to knock down more of these jump shots than you have. But what was encouraging, the turnovers, you only had nine. You had a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio as a team. I mean, that's great. I mean, it speaks to Nico's system. And the veteran players. Like, again, like on a night where Isaiah arguably was not himself, he still finishes with 12 points, nine assists, zero turnovers. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, that's my positive takeaway is how the rest of the backcourt stepped up around Isaiah, something I've kind of been calling for the last couple of weeks. My negative takeaway is, I mean, it was kind of my takeaway in the last conference game at Moby against New Mexico was that you can't start off that flat, man. Yeah, they've got to figure out how to, how to get off to a quicker start at home, for sure. you got to come weird. out on fire, man. Or, and what was even weirder was they did come out kind of quick on the road and then sizzled out. Like, I don't, yeah. it, it's been weird. It's been weird these last couple of weeks. It, it certainly feels like you're in that, you know, 50 to 60% mark of the season where, you know, it, it starts to wear on you. And you're going to see the rotation get refined here. Like, yeah. Can you, know, you allow me an Mbemba sidebar? Yeah, Sorry go to for it. up there. No. What did he do over break? He stayed, right? Yeah. No going back home. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had to. Yeah. That wears on you. That yeah. wears on you, man. That's a good point. I mean, he's, you know, first overseas, winter away from first, home. Yeah. Holidays. That's where you start to feel. Look at how Jokic plays around November, December. Like, 
you, you get a little bit in a funk, you know? Um, well, it's just, it's so. human. And like, I honestly, coming off of a two game losing streak where you lose a couple of games, you're in it, you have an opportunity to win both of them. But those, yeah. you know, those sting. You fall out of the top 25. Now you're struggling. So. You know, you're down 12 in the first half to Air Force. Being able to cut it to three before the break and just hang around and then find a way to win that, I mean, like, I, I don't want to be too dramatic, but, like, this was potentially a season-saving night. And, you know, we got a comment here from Kevin. Joe Palmer's block might have saved the season. I'm with you, dude. There were a couple of key moments. It, I don't know if people realized how close Pertritus was to making that little kind of runner at the end there, but it was almost all for naught. They had two really good looks over those last six seconds. And there were a couple instances where uh, Palmer and, and Scott had a block late as well. Um, again, like it wasn't perfect, but over those final 30 seconds, I thought this team really demonstrated just their veteran presence. I mean, you're down four instead of trying to jack up a three Neek immediately drives into the defense. They've been drawing fouls for the last 15 minutes, immediately gets to the line, knocks down a pair of free throws. You go down, you get a stop, you know, you're able to, you know, get the execute the trap. Yeah. I don't know why Air Force didn't call timeout, but they throw it away. Again, composure in the final seconds, that matters. They throw it away. You turn it into a pick six the other way and and tie the game. I mean, and then in overtime, you know, in overtime last year, they got outscored 20 to nine. Air Force kicked their ass. They immediately come out and set the tone. 11-3 run to, to start the extra period there. And you close it out. And like at the end of the day, an ugly win counts the same. Not from like the net standpoint. I know like blowing out teams, it'll kind of juice it a little bit. But a couple months from now, if you're in competing for a Mountain West championship and you know, you're able to pull out some of these signature wins, nobody's going to be sitting there being like, God, remember how, how crappy CSU looked against Air Force? No, if anything, you'll be talking about how this was a, like a mini turning point in the season. We were hoping this could be a get right though. And uh, it certainly wasn't like the game you were hoping for. You're 15 and a half point favorites. They're just not playing at their pace, man. They they would rather be in higher scoring games. And it feels silly, but, you know, I start to wonder about the defense a little bit, even though the defense has been very consistent and kind of a bright spot in these last three games where they haven't played their best necessarily. But, you know, I I do think the 76-68 type of game they were in against New Mexico, especially that second half. It's more where they want to live. You know, the offense is just flowing. Well, that pace in general. I mean, New Mexico and Utah State, they're going to want to push the pace. Boise State, Utah State are more grinded out in the half court. And I hope UNLV can suit their pace and make them feel a little more comfortable and let the offense feel good again. You know, that's going to be a really interesting game coming up tomorrow. Yeah, I... I honestly, I told you this before the show. You could tell me any outcome is going to happen on Friday night, and I'd believe it. Like, CSU is going to get right. They're going to roll against an inconsistent UNLV team. Of course. You could tell me a very talented UNLV team that should have won the last three games in league play came in and, you know, rolled the Rams, especially Mm -hmm. with what we've seen over the last couple of games. I could see where it's tight and either team steals it. Like, we're going to find out a lot. We talked about taking care of business against the top four, but then there's that pesky like next year. You got to be real careful. There's no guinea games, dude. (laughs) None. There are none. The conference has started to cannibalize itself. So extra tough exercise for you to do the power rankings this week. It is. And we're going to get into that um, real quick. There's nothing better than chilling at home with an ice cold Breckenridge brew in hand. Avalanche Amber Ale. Mountain Beach Sour. Uh, you want to go with the the Mile High City Lager. I mean, there, there's something for everyone. And that's what's great about Breck. You know, I can bring some beer home for my dad. He's going to be content. He's a little bit more old school. The homies are coming over. You know, I'm going to get some hot peak. You know, maybe I'm going to mix it up and, and get some sours. I mean, they've got it all. We've been big into Breck since day one. I mean, I, I can't oh, even man. imagine oh. how many beers that I've drank over the last five years. Yep. But I'm so thankful but I've been drinking these quality Breck beers. Um, do you want to say anything nice about Breck? They're the best, man. They've been with us uh, forever. You want something a little, a little tastier to 
to end your day. Breck always hits the spot. When I've got people in town, it's always the move because they enjoy a nice, tasty Breck brew. And with the old beer locator, you can find one near you. So hit them up, breckbrew.com. I also want to shout out Bax and Shanker. When you get hurt, Bax and Shanker are here to help. They win for Colorado families and have been doing so for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to begin working on your case. No fees while they work on your case. No fees unless they win your case and win money for you. Wow. They've already won over a billion dollars, Trey, with a B for their clients. Let's go. And what's cool is it doesn't matter where you are in Colorado. They serve you. They've got neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. And they've got the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bax and Shanker help with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle ride shares, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Bax and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. Yes, they do. All right, let's get into the power rankings. Um, actually, I got a question here from Joey B before we get into those power rankings. Justin, thoughts on Moby Arena moving forward? Keep it the way it is or amenities, new age arena? I say keep it the same, loud, keep it filled. Hopefully Medved stays. Um, I don't think a new facility is coming anytime soon. So like, I, I don't expect Moby to go anywhere anytime like in the foreseeable future. Yeah, they've got to upgrade the concession stands and stuff, modernize it. That's a part of anything. But I think part of what makes Moby great is that it's just a fun atmosphere. No, it's not the most gorgeous building you've ever seen. But I think we get too caught up in some of that sometimes. Like the Broncos Stadium is a great example. The Broncos Stadium, when it's rocking and you've got 77,000 loud pounding, it traps sound, it's epic. Like, I don't, I don't need it to look like Barbie's dream house. You know, I just want it to be a hostile place to come. I want it to be nice. I want the seats to be comfy. I want good food options for the fans. I want people to, you know, feel like it's a fun place to go. But it's the amenities, you know, concessions, seating, being able to get in and out. You always want to kind of upgrade and fine tune those. They need some more luxury stuff, I think, to kind of incentivize people to be those like top level, you know, boosters, program supporters. That's exactly right. But, you know, it's like, uh, it's like concerts. A lot of times, the best concerts are more those intimate venues, you know, a little more something that has character. It's not live at MetLife Stadium, you know? I like that. Most fun I ever had at a show was like at this place called The Deer Pile, downtown Denver. It was like above a coffee shop. This little band Baywood played in there for like 15 people. It was yeah. it was awesome. Um, that sounds dope. All right, let's get into the Mountain West Power Come Rankings. On, let's do it. I almost feel disrespectful putting them God at 11 after it, pushing Justin, the Rams what are you doing? to this. Um I told you, you jig- like you I did. That was on me. I almost, I almost week. cost them. But you haven't learned a lesson. No, here's the thing. Trust what me. What are we doing? Well, here's the thing. We still got to play Air Force game. We got to play all these teams. Air Force, I'm putting them at 11. I think you can make an argument they should be at 10, but they're they're winless in the league, and the results do have to matter. Fresno State is coming off of a, a game where they beat San Jose State dramatically last second shot. So they get the narrow bump over yeah. them. And I actually think that San Jose State team that Fresno beat is is kind of decent. They're kind of frisky. I they know. have no depth, but they've got good guard play and they play yeah. hard. And Air Force almost upset them. Air Force was this close to having a 2-0 week. This close. And yeah, they should have beat San Jose State. They should have beat CSU. They're going to have to learn to finish. Um, they really should have. That is a team that it wouldn't shock me if they, you know, if they made a little noise in the Mountain West tournament, you could see a world where Bo Becker and Ethan Taylor combine for like 35 and yep. they take someone down. Yep. We'll see, man. We'll see. No, no rest for the weary. Um, we got Fresno State at 10. They're coming off of the win over San Jose State. They're, yeah, that's a fair way to s- split these hairs right here, I think. Honestly, man. And this is where I struggle because I have San Jose State at nine who is literally coming off of a loss to Fresno State. Yep. This is one where I'm sticking to my guns, though. And San Jose State's just the better team. They lost on the road at Fresno in a game where they let it slip away. Uh, But give me Cardenas and and Tim Miles. Yeah, it's uh, bottom three, kind of a tier on their own. Only three teams with losing records. 
in the conference and San Jose State, just the raw talents a bit a bit better there. I'm with you. You trust them night in, night out more. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, I almost, for that same reason, even put San Jose State above Wyoming, who I have at eight. Um, so, yeah. The thing about Wyoming, they're super inconsistent. They've now basically won heroically on dramatic comebacks with buzzer beaters twice in Laramie. Um, ACOT is really good, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. It's hard to win in Laramie, and that's why I would put yep. them above those other three, is out yep. of those three, they have the best home court advantage. Yeah, they're frisky, and you don't want to overlook them. But on the road against the top teams in the conference, they've kind of gotten whooped. Yeah. So. At seven, we've got UNLV, who on their good day could probably be two, Terrifying. and on their bad day could probably be ten. Yeah. And that's what's really hard to to make with this one. Um, they could win the Mountain West tourney and like have a round one upset in March. You yeah, know, totally. Like they are scary. And if you're a UNLV fan, they are scary for you as well because you don't know what you're getting. Big one coming up for CSU Friday. I'll talk about that game more, yeah, obviously, man. over the next you know 36 hours or so. Um, this top six, man, it's, it's tough. And I know I'm going to upset some people. People are going to argue with me. Comment section is popping. Shout out to all you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Nevada at six, uh, 15 and three. They pushed San Diego State last night, um, actually tied it at one point late in the second half. Still ended up losing by double digits. I think the combination of Gerard Lucas and, and Keenan Blackshear is up there, you know, with New Mexico and CSU for the best backcourt in, in the Mountain West. Those guys can score. They're just inconsistent now, and they've they've blown two games that were very winnable. Um, we'll kind of see. I need just a little bit more consistency on both yeah. ends from that team, um, but I do think they're still very much dangerous. Fifteen and three, but of all these really nice records in the top six, the one we're maybe most skeptical of. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's. Fair. At five, I've got Boise State at 12 and five because they went into Reno and beat Nevada on their home court. That was yeah. kind of, I think they're right in that same uh, tier. Boise gets the, the boost for taking the head-to-head. It's going to be kind of different it, depending on, you know, where we're at in the in the tiers here. Boise, they're frustrating, man. They'll, yeah. they'll beat a team like CSU, you know, and then they'll lose at home to UNLV. So it's, yeah, we'll I see. Mean- if they win that, Justin, how high would they make it on the power rankings? They'd probably be two right now. Right? Crazy. And, you know, I, I really like Tyson Dagenhart and Max Rice. Those are two veterans, guys that you can count on in big stages. Yeah. I just wonder, out of all these teams in the top six, I like their point guard situation the least. Yep. And they don't have a true facilitator. I don't think they have anybody on the team averaging more than two assists a game. Um, yep. It's going to be really dependent on if a guy like Degan Hart can take over or like Andrew Stanley Meadow looks can, like Clay Thompson yeah, exactly. for five minutes. And I just God wonder how sustainable it. that is because they're they're not getting not anything from their bench right now. <laughs> right. Nothing. No, Nothing I at mean, all. It um, really let them down against UNLV. They got yeah. zero. Absolutely zero. It's crazy. I've got CSU at four right now at 14 and three. Uh, if they lose this game on Tuesday, they drop to at least six, if not even seven, depending yeah, on how yeah. bad of a mood I'm in. Yeah, uh, coming in. Yeah. They didn't though. And they still have the best resume as a whole, I think in the, the league, although New Mexico pulling out back to back top 25 wins, both on their home court though, you know, th- that puts them in that conversation as well. Yeah. I think CSU is firmly in this top four mix just in terms of, what they'll be over, you know, this three to four month span, it was kind of ugly Tuesday, but I think, you know, as it ebbs and flows, I think the average is they will be one of the top four teams. I wonder athletically, like you just look at New Mexico and what they have, like with Jalen House, or a Lidi, you know, on San Diego State or an Osabor on Utah State, like outside of Neek and I guess Bemba, who's been struggling lately. Yeah. CSU doesn't really have that guy to like bully you. And that's my only concern is like the, in a really tight game, do they have the guy who can just like take over physically? Yep. And they're a tad undersized on top of that. So you got to grind things out a little more. I mean, I think you're right. It hasn't showed up defensively necessarily. They're but playing hard. 
I mean, that's where knee comes in huge, man. Defensively, especially. Well, and you're gonna the thing about him is you're gonna need some versatility out yeah. of him. Like there are gonna be situations in, yeah. where they're going against a New Mexico where you need him on like a dent or maybe like a JT Toppin. Mm. There are gonna be situations against San Diego State, like especially if Scott's not on the floor, where it's like you're probably gonna have to match up with Ladie for you know a couple of series here. Totally. And I mean, I think it's where Lake is a really interesting piece with the like backcourt yeah. athletes, you know, like you're talking about house. Yeah, they need Lake and Josiah to yeah. be lockdown perimeter defenders. They do, man. They really do. I mean, that's where your athletes are there and you have the potential to be locked down. You need to be at con- like the time is now. I don't need you to be great tomorrow. Today. <laughs> I like it, man. I'm getting inspired. The time is now. Uh, Utah State, they're at three. Uh, 16 and two coming off of a, a tough loss in the pit where they played hard. Um, I, I think that you could make the argument that New Mexico should be three, despite the fact that they won against San Diego State and Utah State in back to back, just because their home court advantage is so significant. But at the same time, like that's not fair to me. You play the games, you beat back to back ranked teams, it's you deserve the power to shoot rankings up. right now. Yeah, it's right now. It's right now. And also this top five's comical because Colorado State ahead of Boise State, Boise won, right? Yes. Utah State beat the Rams. Now at two. New Mexico. The Rams beat them, right? And like at one, we now know they just got upset by number two. So it all plays into each other. There's crossover everywhere, even though we're what, two weeks into conference play. And uh, yeah. And I mean, that's the key is like, Ultimately, all these top six, even seven with UNLV, they're going to beat each other. You've got to lose or you've got to avoid the losses in the eight through 11 matchups. You can maybe afford one loss to a, a seven spot, maybe one, but it's, uh, but that's, an, if you do that though, you got to steal another one to make up for it. So Wyoming, it just, UNLV, Nevada, you got to take care of business. You got to take business. care of business. Huge. If you're going to win the league, like huge, your tournament, you know, you're not, in jeopardy of losing your at-large bid or anything like that. But we want to see this team win the league. They've never done it. They're good enough to. We want it all. We want the league championship. We want the Mountain West tournament. We want the NCAA tournament run. We're getting greedy because this team is is good enough to to have that mentality. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect every single night. They're going to have rough ones. But if you win ugly... The end of the day, a win still counts the same. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, we've got New Mexico at two, San Diego State at one. Uh, I went back and forth. I had thought about putting New Mexico at one, especially, I mean, with the way they handled San Diego State pretty thoroughly. Um, I still think the inability to, to win on the road is concerning for me with this New Mexico team. I think San, what San Diego State does translates a lot better um, Aztec breakdown, I think, pointed out recently that they're uh, actually more efficient offensively on the road than they are at home, San Diego State is, which is very rare. Um, that is very Kind rare. of yeah. speaks to uh, the, the toughness of that team. Um, I just think Ladie is such a handful. Watching him last night, I had a hard time taking them off the top spot. And I'm not going to, like, rip them for losing a game in the pit, which is going to happen to basically everyone in this league. Yeah, for sure. Ladie. Look at uh, some of the advanced metrics. It's basically Ladie, Isaiah Stevens, and, and Neat Clifford have kind of been three of the most impactful players in the conference to begin the the league here. There's some really good players, though, on New Mexico. Osobor has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, anyways, this has been a, a very interesting day. Shout out to everybody that stuck with us. My apologies for the technical difficulties, but we got it rolling. Yeah. Had a bunch of fun Let's with all up. of you talking recruiting talking hoops. Uh, We'll have plenty of content coming your way over the next couple of days. I have some written pieces that have come out. Check that out at thednvr.com. Now's a great time to become a member. You get discounts at the bar. Uh, You get a free t-shirt annually. You get access to premium content that nobody else gets. Yeah, yeah, behind the sticks. Much love, my guy. Trey, thank you for being here with me as always. I'll see all of you guys Friday night up in Moby Arena. Always proud to be. Peace. Peaches out of Palestine.
shade sweet as mama's marmalade this shit sound like summer days the windows down on harmony the family band sing harmonies my daddy played the drums my mama slapped that bass my sister sang these songs dancing under canopies we thank the trees for all their leaves we are just some drops of water together make up seven seas and one day i'll be like my father one day i will learn to breathe i'm choking on the thought that i am not the man i want to be i got blood on my shirt like i wear my heart on my sleeve she said i look good in red but that went straight to my head so now she's rocking my teeth tucked into new prada jeans and we ain't spoken a month but i just saw her last week the lipstick stain still on my cheek like we ain't talk enough and we always seem to laugh but never nod at us so the future's looking grim it's kind of ominous and this song ain't about love that'd be too obvious see this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions and this is more about me and all of my self-deception I'll tell myself a lie 100 times, don't need corrections. But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson. And the peaches out from Palisade. And they sweet as mama's marmalade. And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs. Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping to left feet. Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to leave. But I'm still thankful for these days.